There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thank God for the weather on Saturday and Sunday, wasn't it? Just gorgeous after all the rain. Mind you, it's still just clearing in some places. I know that for a fact. But anyway, it looks like we're in for a much better week this week. Less of the moisture. My word, some people were hit badly, weren't they? But the weekend was lovely. I have to say that. Just didn't get the old mower onto the grass. I was hoping to give it another cut. It was still just a little heavy. I wonder, will I, before I pack the motor away for the end of the season. Let's see. Welcome to the show 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's the number you need if you want to get in touch with us today on the show. But we're beginning with something I know will tickle your fancy because anytime we talk about it, we get a tremendous response. Cures. Yes, cures. There are many people across the Northeast who have cures for this, that and the other. But I'm joined today by a woman who has spent a good part of her life working on this whole area and she has a brand new book out called Cures of Ireland. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Cecily Gilligan. Hello, Cecily. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me on, my, on your show. Lovely to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you from County Sligo, is it, this afternoon? Yes, County uh, Sligo, East Sligo, yes. Ah, yes, I love it. Well, I fish Loch Arrow over there for the trout fishing and that, and Sligo <laughs> Town, what a beautiful place on the coastline. Listen, good to talk to you. Look at I, I, you and Cures. What have you? You've over 300 on your list at this stage, and it's still growing. Is that right? Yes, I've been gathering the names of the people with cures uh, for many years, but probably more or less for the last 15 years, I've been working quite hard. Well, part-time, I'm also a primary teacher, but I've been uh, interviewing. I interviewed over 90 people that have cures. Wow. And your list, and of course, it's Dort Fala Farella or Manala Manala. It's word about you. You meet some, I see that in the book, and then they point you in, in, in the direction of others. God, you've been up and down the highways and byways of Ireland, haven't you? <laughs> I have, yes. I've been all over Ireland and a lot of it was in the northwest where I live. But I did go to the northeast also mm-hmm. and I talked to people in your part of the world and researched some cures over there. And I also went to Holy Wells and Holy Stones. And uh, for example, I was in Fahart, which is in County Louth, obviously, and then closely associated with St. Bridget. Yes. Um, and there's five, uh, people will be familiar with them, there's five uh, pre-Christian prayer stones there that are part of the ritual yeah. they used for curing also. Yes, I was down there for St. Bridget's Day last year, with it being the new national holiday, uh, the feast day, and I saw them, the five healing stones there that refer to different parts of the body. And of course, you also include in the book, I see Newgrange, the Hill of Tara, the tree there. That's one of five special trees in Ireland, isn't it? 
Yes, it's one of it's one of five sacred trees around Ireland, and of course Tara was the home of the High Kings, and is very important in all of uh, pre-Christian Ireland and mythological Ireland. So, and then you have Loch Croom mm. in County Meath, and uh, sure, it's a huge site, a rich yes. site, and the Thorn obviously took place uh, up there in the northeast as well, north of North County Loud. So, fascinating area of Ireland, and I visited there, and I did some research there, and I was really interested um, in what was going on. And we also talked to people in Monaghan, which is too far away in Cavan and uh, yeah I, I talked I, I talked to lots of people who had cures faith cures and herbal cures yeah. um, and the faith cures you know uh, prayer cures they dominate today there's less herbal cures we have lost unfortunately a lot of our, our herbal tradition but um, it's still out there and um, and cures are also used for animals you're probably your, mm. your, your listeners will be aware of that animals and humans yeah I saw that one the mead farmer and the turning of the sod just tell our listeners uh, about that that one. Yeah, so basically that is considered, that's called the turning of the sod and I would have interviewed a woman in Leitrim um, who had that cure and she still uses it today so when if when the cure ha- when the animal, like it could be a donkey or a sheep or a cow, when they have lameness, uh, fowl and the foot um, they would uh, they would go and get the, the, the cure made for them um, in her case, she would have picked, uh, she goes out into a garden and she picks 10 dandelions. She brings in the 10th one. She'd say some prayers as she's picking them. And then the 10th one, uh, she keeps in the house and she tells the farmer to rub it on the lame hoof, the sore hoof, mm. in a downward direction. And then a very important point of the cure is to turn the, is to bury the herb. And it's kind of believed on transference, the principle of transference. As the herb would rot in the ground, the infection in the animal's hoof will also disappear. And then, so the, the cure in me, basically there's a professor from UCD, a veterinary professor, Michael Doherty, and he would have done a lot of research about 20 years ago into um, the use of animal cures. And he mm. would have interviewed vets and surveyed vets. So one of the interesting ones that came up was in County Mead, this turning of the sod. And again, it's for lameness of the animal's hoof. So the farmer would follow them and then wherever she placed or he, the, uh, the animal placed the hoof, uh, they would dig out the soil with a penknife and then you would throw the soil away. You would throw it over, in a, into, uh, over a ditch or out of that field. Yeah. And again, you'd be transferring, you're taking the animal, the, the infection away from the, yes. the animal and the land and putting it somewhere else. Mm. Um, so uh, very old and he, he would have reckoned that was hundreds and hundreds of years old and it's still practised in County Mead well it has been in recent decades yeah. and it just shows you mentioned there uh, herbal versus uh, faith faith plays a huge part belief in this Yes, I think faith is very important. And when I interviewed these people, over 90 people, I would always say, is, you know, faith in the cure important? And generally they would say, yes, it is important. Mm. And they all, they would generally, well, 99% of 100% faith in their own cure. And then the person that comes, you know, they'd say things, well, there's no point the person coming if they, if they don't believe in the cure. But having said that, a lot of people will try a cure as, you know, a last resort. They've tried maybe lots of other things, you know, for chronic back pain or something. But I think, yeah, I do feel myself that you know you might be going for a physical cure for example you might go to the man for the john the uh, the jaundice cure or the gallstone cure which would be a herbal cure but i think if you go and you have a positive attitude and you believe this will be helpful to you that that can be you know very important part of the ritual and often you know i think there's um 
quite a strong human interaction occurs. So you go to see someone for a cure and they have a chat with you and you tell them your problems. You often have a cup of tea, you know, the sympathy and compassion shown. And then you might be asked to say prayers as part of the cure or say prayers subsequently. And there's a spiritual dimension there. So I think it all kind of combines to mm. sort of help the cure to be as effective as possible. Yes. And, and you do say in the book that people, you know, often combine it with medical attention or they go to for medical attention first and maybe that's not working. They look at the cure route or sometimes as a last resort. You may, I mean, you mentioned the turning of the sod to you and me. Then just to balance it here today from a loud perspective, one I picked out was the ferret's milk. Yes, and actually that has a loud connection. I mentioned it in my book also. So basically that's a traditional cure for whooping cough, which was a big, big, big problem in Ireland in the past pre-vaccination. And But people are still making it today. And you just need to have ferrets. So uh, man I interviewed here in the Northwest, he has ferrets. And uh, the ferrets, you give the ferrets, uh, you know, they use them for, for hunting rabbits generally, or they might have them as pets. So you give the ferrets some milk and they have a little, uh, they mess around a little bit, they, they lick it and whatnot, they taste it. But they don't really drink it. Mm. Uh, they only drink a little bit of it, but they've tasted it, I suppose. So then that milk is gathered up and then that's usually done for three days in a row and that's given to the, it's usually a child or a baby with, with whooping cough. So that's a really well-known cure. And the loud connection to county that to that one is, um, there was a Dr. Blake uh, about 100 years ago in 1918 or the early 1900s um, and he did research into the traditional cures 100 years ago in County Loud particularly and his findings would have been written up in some of the archaeological journals but uh, he mentions the um, the Loud in Loud they were using the cure of ferrets leaving leaving to cure the whooping cough yeah. so that's just a hun- that's 100 years ago and obviously it was before, well before that so the cures are hundreds if not thousands of years mm. old you know it's hard to pin them down exactly yes. but but deep in our in our tradition and our history Oh, for sure. And uh, the ferrets caught my eye because my dad kept ferrets and I handled them myself. We hunted rabbits with them. Oh, Oh, Jesus, many a bite I got off them, I can tell you as well. (laughs) Never mind the milk for the whooping cough, (laughs) to be sure. But you you know what? Your list is fascinating because you list out in this book the uh, the cures you've gathered on your journey. And I've just picked out a few of them from uh, Lister's perspective here that they, I'm sure, uh, might be relevant to them today. Baldness. (laughs) I love that one, baldness. The raw onion. Yeah, well, I'm not sure exactly where I came across that yes. one, but um, yeah, it's, that's it's possibly. In, yeah, it's cure. interesting. You know, you know, you know, hair restoration today, and the way uh, men in particular like to restore the hair. R- rub the head with a raw onion, or relax with seaweed on the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd even look great with the seaweed. You know, you wouldn't need any. I think the seaweed would be very fetching. May I say on uh, on the head? I love that one. Bedwetting. Give the child a teaspoon of honey at bedtime. Interesting. Yes, I came across that somewhere also. So, I mean, honey is, uh, you know, it's very good for lots of, uh, I would mention honey lots of the time. Yes, you do. It's very good and it's a very natural product. And uh, so seemingly, yeah, whatever whatever reason, that potentially could relax the child and that could potentially can help with the problem. But yeah, of course, I mean, I would strongly advise people to also to get, you know, a uh, fully qualified medical uh, address their problems with their mm. local doctor, basically, yes. and get all that. And and people generally in cures with with cures, you know, there's no conflict. I never came across between 
you know, uh, no. established medicine, modern medicine, the traditional medicine. Traditional medicine, the food medicine is just there to exist and people, you know, might use it in, a, in addition to whatever what other things they're doing. Yeah. Or like I said, sometimes it might be a last resort. Or they just might know somebody in their community, like for example, a very simple thing would be the foul mouth thrush. So if your baby has thrush and, you know, a neighbour or someone fairly close by has the cure of thrush, sure, it might be as simple to go to them and try that option. If that doesn't work, then you can head to the GP. So people often take that approach and the thrush cure you you acquire it because you're a posthumous child so you're basically your father unfortunately has died before the child was born and then they're believed to have that cure yeah you know the seventh son of a seventh son handed down from generation to generation is that the way it mostly moves on through the generations or are there cures that people can pass on to others they give them the skills yeah, so it varies. Now, the seventh son or seventh daughter, you have to be born uh, the seventh child consecutively. So seven boys, boys in a row, and you can't have a girl in the middle of it. And the seventh child then will believed to have the cure, usually for ringworm. But, uh, Jerry, lots of cures are passed on uh, within within families. It's yes. the primary way in which they're passed. People, if they have a cure in their family, they, gen- they generally like to hold on to it and pass it on to the next generation, uh, a daughter or son, or maybe a favourite niece or nephew to keep it within the family. But then sometimes cures um, can be acquired because people are given them by strangers or people they don't know. Yes. Um, like I, uh, I interviewed a man in, in, in Roscommon who was a really well-known bleeding cure, a prayer cure, and he was just given it at the mart one day. He was at the mart selling cattle and the man put a bit of paper into his pocket and said, you know, you might need that someday. Yeah. And he looked at it, it was this cure. So it does vary. There's different ways. And then, for example, if you're a breech birth, uh, your feet first, you're born that way, which... Uh, Three or four percent of, of children in Ireland would have been in the past. They have the cure of the back pain or bad backs. Mm. Um, and then if you have two people that marry and they're the same surname, so a Scanlon marries a Scanlon, then uh, they're often they're considered to have the cure of whooping cough also, or, or maybe the mumps, or their children could have the cure of the mumps. Yes. The tradition would vary from place to pay, place. Or I found it's not really black and white, all of this. There's quite a lot of grey. Mm. But people have very strong ideas. So if you talk to someone who's got a cure, they have a very clear idea where it came from and uh, how to do it. Mm. But somebody with another similar cure might have a little variation on that. Of course, of course. Uh, the questions are, f- are flying in. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you want to raise anything about a cure, if you've had a cure from somebody or you're looking for information, I have the list here from Cecily's wonderful book. There's one about Veruca and I can reference your book. A listener wants you to tell them, is there anything they can do for Veruca? Apply dandelion milk or cider vinegar. That's what you have in your book there for the Veruca. So there you are. That may be of help to you. I love this one uh, for the headache. You know, should we all have headaches from time to time? Self-imposed, I have to say, Cecily, you know, it doesn't come by accident. <laughs> but anyway, you. This I thought this was really funny in the book. Headache. To be free from headaches for a year, get a haircut and a good Friday. I know, I know. That's amazing. Now, I was told that there was a man in Roscommon, somewhere in County Roscommon was doing that. And that was a thing. You went to him on the Friday and I think he cut your hair for you. Was that yes. It? Yeah. 
So uh, I know it sounds rather extreme and some of those are maybe there's a little bit of fun as well yes. in those. Cecily, but, uh, Cecily, will you stay there a second? I'm going to take a short yes. break. I'm going to stay with you because the, the comments are flying in here. Stay with me on Late Lunch. Cures on your Late Lunch. Stay with us. Cecily Gilligan's with me on Late Lunch. Her new book is called Cures of Ireland and it is so comprehensive. Uh, Cecily, there's uh, Catherine on to me uh, to tell me that the ferret cure, you know the ferret's milk we were talking yes. about, also yes. cures dogs of kennel cough. So oh. that's by extension, you know what I mean? There you go, it just shows you the, the things yes. you, you find out. Um, there's another one there. Uh, oh, yeah, Louise was telling me about producer, about shingles. Now, shingles is a big one, and I see you have lit listed as well, that we had a lady on the show here some time ago, and her initials were the same as the man she married, if you know what I mean. And that yes. gave her the cure. She had the cure for shingles. Okay. You know, yeah, no, I haven't heard of that. I've yes. said uh, people with the same surname, but it's a similar idea. It's a similar one. It's a similar idea to that for sure. It, it really, really is. You know, but... Yeah. You know, you know, people, this is the thing about this. I, I want to go back to this with you. You've obviously found out from your work and from the people you've mingled with and met, this works for people. Yes, no, it definitely does. And I always ask the people I interviewed, uh, you know, does your cure work? Is it successful? Or what, what would you think the success rate? So generally they would have said to me that uh, they would say things like, well, sure, if it didn't work, people wouldn't come to me or it wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be at it for 30 or 40 years. So I think there's truth in that. Now what I would, and I would ask people and they would generally say, you know, they're quite realistic. Some people might say 70%, 80%. Generally they would feel it was quite successful. Um, what I would uh, surmise at the end of my book was that I think the traditional cures do work. Mm. I say they don't work for everybody and they don't work every time. But I do think they work for, you know, for many people, a significant number of the time, amount of the time. I think that's the reason they've survived. Mm. So that's what I would conclude. And I think they're, you know, they are very much part of our tradition and our heritage. And, uh, you know, people do like to keep using them. And yes. uh, they're an important part. And that whole thing that I mentioned earlier about the kind of body, mind and spirit. You know, a lot of people are interested these days in um, in alternative type of medicines or more holistic medicine or different approaches. So I think there's a room, there's room for everybody there. And I think the more holistic approach, I think the traditional cures probably fit into that. Mm. But they're also deeply rooted in our culture. Yes. So, sorry to go back to your question. Yeah, people, yeah. yeah, people would think they are generally successful. And I would think uh, yeah, I would say that I think many of them are successful mm. and probably that's the reason they have managed to survive. Yes. And they also, sorry, Jerry, they also change and adapt. You know, a lot of people use technology now today to make cures. You know, they use mobile phones. People text um, messages and numbers to each other. One woman I interviewed, she made a herbal cure for erysipelas. Uh, kind of a skin a skin rash thing and uh, she used a blender she said in the past we used to pound it with a stone or something she chopped up the herbs with a blender and then other people somebody else printed off the directions that went with their cure you know on the, yeah. on the computer so the cures adapt and change yeah they do warts is another big one and people have great faith in people who have cure for the warts of course related to the Veruca you say in the book if you come across a rock with water collecting in it rub this on the wart three times or apply sand found under seaweed a raw potato pierce slow berries <laughs> or rub dandelion milk or onion juice on the wart once for nine days 
Jeez, you nearly get rid of your skin, never mind the warts and all that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots and lots of cures for warts. It's very common and yeah, it would be yeah. something that is uh, part of the, very strong in the tradition. And they can be hard enough to shift. I know. Uh, even I, I got a text there recently from uh, a woman I walk with and she said her granddaughter had loads of warts on the hand and they can't get rid of them trying everything. Mm. So I, I passed around a number of a person that makes the wart cure they had inherited from their father and actually that's an interesting cure because what they do is uh, you come and you see them you see the woman and she'll touch each one individually and then she she buys them from you so she says to the child you sell me your warts and they say I will and then she gives you a safety pin for the warts yeah. so there's lots of little things rubbing the potato on the wart is a big one and again you would maybe put the potato into the earth and it would disintegrate and as it disintegrates the wart the wart would disappear too yes so um yeah, listen, there's loads in this book, I want to say. It's called Cures of Ireland. And uh, what a lovely gift it would make towards the end of the year for that big day that we don't mention until after Halloween. It's the 25th <laughs> December. But you know what I'm talking about. It's by Cecily Gilligan. It's available in all good bookstores and online as well. You've been great. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love the book. Thank you, Jerry. Gurmila Mangatakas Sloan. Gurmila Mangatakas Sloan. Gurmila Mangatakas Sloan. That is Cecily Gilligan there speaking to me from Sligo this afternoon. I love this cure right. I've been on the receiving end of many. My favourite being for ringworm when my granny wrote my name across it in ink. My mother then took me to the chemist who, who asked if I'd put anything on it. I said yes and exclaimed. My mother was mortified. <laughs> I comes in from Alicia this afternoon. Thank you so much. Louise, before we come down today, uh, we were talking upstairs. I want to throw something out to the listeners, see that they remember this. How did this come up in conversation? Something about a goose a golden goose and I said to you oh I think there was a thing a draw or a lottery or a sweepstake didn't I called yep. the golden goose mm-hmm. you had never heard of it never folks am I deluded am I losing the plot was there such a thing or is there such a thing as the golden goose a lottery a draw a sweepstake can you help me am I right or wrong let is me know is it from years ago or is it still yeah, going I on think I rem- well I don't know whether it's going on but it's going back a bit the golden goose just something in my mind 086-1800-658 by whatsapp or text the golden goose do you remember it was there such a thing did they lay a golden egg <laughs> I think if you won you get the golden egg that must be <laughs> it for sure anyway coming up after two we have dog trainer Huey Rooney who's doing something very special for the local branch of cystic fibrosis but taking us up towards top of the hour too it's you too and the sweetest thing it must be the sweetest thing when you get the cure and it works and it does the business for whatever is ailing you late lunch LMFM radio potpourri every afternoon One has cystic fibrosis and dog training in common. You might think it doesn't have much, but it will have this coming weekend in the Drogheda area because I'm joined on the show now by renowned dog trainer Huey Rooney. I'm joined by Peter Hughes, who's vice chairman of the Drogheda branch of cystic fibrosis and double transplant recipient. Yes, she's back on the show. Lee Bagnell is with us. Thank you all for joining me on the show this afternoon. Thanks a million. Peter, I'll start with yourself and the local branch of CF. Um, this offer by Huey to come and support you is greatly appreciated. Oh, it's very much appreciated, Jerry. Uh, Huey's a good old supporter, CF, down through the years. The draw the branch actually is 50 years in existence this year. We celebrated there last Friday night week. And when when it started off, first, things was very rough for the parents and 
uh, medication, but had to pay for everything. And well, following that, and up to the present day, with the increase in the physiotherapy and new drugs and that, you can see what the achievement we have. When you look at Leah, it makes everything worthwhile. And the people that draw there's great support down through the years. Well said. And, you know, you are still supporting a number of people who need this support. Because, as you said, 50 years ago, it was a different scenario with CF to what it is today. But it still costs an awful lot. You still need to support these people. Yeah, well, 50 years ago, uh, the only the, the kids were only about 13 or 14 years. And the years progressed, so did the, the medication and all that. And they're living now to getting married, buying their own homes. At that time, they couldn't even get health insurance, nothing. But, uh, yeah, it's a great achievement, all right. Mm. So. How did you become involved? How did you get involved well, with this group? That's a long story. It's been, <laughs> it's been 50 years ago. <laughs> Paddy Caden, Lord of mercy. Oh, he, yeah. He was the main man for Drawdy. He gave half his life to cystic fibrosis. And I, I was obviously supportive, but when I was elected onto the corporation, Paddy really hooked me. He got me onto the committee and one thing or another. But I'm, I gave up the, everything else by that in 18, 1984. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, good man yourself. You've given a great service indeed. Let's have a word uh, with Lee Bagnell, who's back with us on the show. It is really great to see you again. Thanks for popping in. How, how are you keeping? Yeah, all good. Um, obviously, COVID was a bit of a bit of a struggle, a bit of a scare more so than anything. But look, you need to trust people and people need to trust you as well, whether if they're sick or they're not sick. If they're sick, don't come near me and stuff like that as well. But... All going well so far, so good. Remind listeners, what age were you when you had the double? I was 20. 20. I was 20, yeah. My God, and how have you been since? Besides COVID, you know, if you look at it in a general sense, with COVID in the middle and either side, how are you doing? Oh, absolutely amazing. Um, it's a different, completely different life now. Like before, say eight years ago, sure, I couldn't string a sentence together with a coughing or spluttering or anything like that. But yeah, no, it's a completely different life now. You take uh, drugs I take every day to keep everything steady. That's part of your life now, is it? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't know any different, to be yes. quite honest, because obviously I was born only a few weeks old, so mm. it's completely just my life now. But obviously my medication is completely different now to what was eight years ago, whereas eight years ago I was on several nebulizers. It was a full-time job. still is, but mm. a little bit less than usual. When you think back to that time and you went for the operation, what, again, what, what were you thinking at the time? You really had no choice, had you? This had to be no, done. No, I definitely didn't have a choice. Like, I was just, I was at end stage, so I was mm. just so fed up. But obviously got the transplant and no looking back, thank God. Mm, got you a picture. You really are. She's looking great, isn't she? She really, really is. But for others who are, you know, still living and dealing with CF, you understand what, you know, the challenges oh, every day. Like, obviously, it's a bit of a scary time as well. But I do answer questions like I have an Instagram and stuff like that. So I am quite public when it comes to my cystic fibrosis and transplants and stuff like that. But... Like even like loads, like random people say all over Ireland, America, do ask questions about CF, about going for transplants and that they're nervous going for transplants. And I just kind of support them and just help them if they have any questions. Yeah, good on you. Well. Good on you. Good on you. Great to have you with us today. Huey Rooney, come in and win. Renowned dog trainer. What's your story? What, what are you doing? And tell our listeners what you're doing for the CF people. Um, we're running the dog show next next Saturday morning at half ten. We have special dogs coming up from Galway and that friends of mine who uh, compete in competitions. And it's never been seen here before. And it's to show people what you can really do with a dog. Mm. And we also have our own dogs there and training. are doing very well. 
and to be judged on the day and we'll have a spot prizes and things like that you know but we got I got involved with Peter and Mickey they used to come over to the training ground and yes. they said we'd run the show the last one I done with you was Amelia yeah and that was absolutely super the people of Jordan were fantastic to me we um we aimed for three we made eight and a half thousand fantastic. and we walked from there to Brookville you know mm. and to see that trial like that you know what I mean yes and to see this young lady here today fantastic mm. you know I don't know much of it see if I did know Paddy and I know his wife and I knew the children that died you know and this is the first we're meeting this girl and she's a ray of sunshine here yes a ray of sunshine with what they're doing you know now talk to me about these dogs that are coming yeah. what's special about them you won't see these every no. day of the week will no. you no these are competition dogs yeah like I have myself they're competition for doing obedience and show people what can be done mm. and over the jumps and things that that recalls attack work uh, which I love mm. and uh, everybody has got involved in it you know when we were asked I said that's it we'll do it you know. and, and so while since there's been a, a, a dog show yeah, it's, isn't it's, there yeah because of COVID, COVID and, and everything and because things have changed in the camp mm. and things like that you know mm. it, 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 it's got worse rather than, rather than good so yeah. you see our grounds above you know that's all done by yeah that's all done by the by the club members you know yes nobody else all club members uh, Mickey's son and all them everybody helps you know what I mean and we put a lot of money into it through the pandemic we, we made money in training I made it in training we put it back in back in and back in and the charities we've done that uh, nobody knows you know you'd know some of them I do we just left envelopes and go we're not into all that no you're and very good and I want to say that your club and just remind us the club name is Boyne GSD Boyne yes. German Shepherd Dog Club yeah and, and these guys have done tremendous work below the surface nobody knows they've helped so many charities and I yeah. want to acknowledge that here today but your grounds are not far from us here no. in LMFM I was there when you yeah. officially opened yeah. I went to meet you yeah. all and all your people yeah. just beside the, the landmark is uh, the public swimming pool the yeah. Aura Leisure swimming pool yeah. Huey's grounds are next door there mm. now it starts at what time on Saturday? Half ten and what do people have to contribute? you know you're raising we, money we, we raised money we sold tickets there for a tenner and uh, Natalie from the Draw the Dolls was on yesterday to me and she said if anybody wants to contribute to the whole two or three euros every yes. penny will help these kids and okay. that's the most important thing for us that every penny we raise will go to them mm. on the day we have a meeting on Wednesday night now we hope to hand over a lot of money and then whoever's got on the gate and on the raffles will go to CF and that's everything mm. and we're, we're happy with that because some clubs you know and some charities it goes away it'll never leave our site it goes to CF on the day ok which is very goes, important it's very important every penny goes to them but first of all I'd like to make one announcement that Jim Corcoran won't be there as you know we had a bad back operation and my friend George Steele won't be there they were t- very good members to me yes. over the years and George has been very ill but we hope maybe he just might get there and Jim might but last night we spoken, wish them well we wish them well, well. Um I was thinking of you in recent weeks with the story about the, the bullies yeah. and the dogs. And yeah. we, we, we d- had another guy on here with us who specialises in them. Yeah. Can I go back to you on that for a moment? You know, every breed of dog, and there are dangerous breeds and there are not so dangerous, etc. You told me here before, it comes down to the owner. It comes down to the owner and the breeding of the dog. And if when you buy a pup, bring somebody with you that knows what they're talking about. Because sometimes you'll see the father and sometimes you'll see the mother. Or maybe you'll see both. If the mother and father doesn't approach you or come up to you, there's a reason. So you walk away. It's very simple. Dangerous dogs. I've had them. You've known. I've been bit. I've I've trained dangerous dogs, but they've also been put to sleep. I've no bones in doing it. 
because I have to protect the kids to come over to me and the owners of other dogs mm. that are there. Every one of them up there is safe with me. What? Do, how do you, do you stand on the bully issue? You know, do you um, think? You know, what? What's your view? My view is, I think, I don't think they should be banned. No, I think that there's not enough done in this country for for dogs. There's not enough done in England. It's very popular over there. That's parks. There's everything. Like I think Paddy McQuillan, that he was trying to get a park going there. Still no more about it. So we done that ourselves. Yeah. And everything, everything we've done is ourselves as a club. Do you know what I mean? Can you train, can you make a, a breed like a bully and the, the offshoots of bullies, can you train that dog to be a, a dog that somebody can handle in safety and take out in safety and be assured that that dog is safe? Yes, you can. Any dog can be trained if he's young, if he's a pup. Any dog. But depending on the mother and father, mm. what the temperament of them is like. Some come through, it comes through on the dog. But the most important time for a dog is 8 to 16 weeks when you get that dog. And plenty of socialising, plenty of interaction with people. And that's what I train up there. Interaction, um, meeting people, sitting with them, sitting the dog, letting people rub him. I had an autistic child a couple of weeks back. He was afraid of dogs. Before he left, he's putting his hand around the rock wall and taking photographs of him. Yeah. Do you know, it's how you treat the dog and how you treat the person that comes in. I'm very interested in what you said about the parents of the lineage of the dog. Yeah. So therefore, buying dogs off someone you don't know or yeah. from farms or things yes. like that. No, look, look, look at the pandemic, look what it cost. 4000 for a pup. two and a half to 3000 for a German Shepherd pup. I've seen them. They were crossbreds. Mm. People were robbed left, right and centre. Now, the now they're in the compounds, you know. And I've seen some come out of the compounds and believe you me, they shouldn't have come out of it. They shouldn't have been given the rehomed at all. Mm. Some of them are just throwing them out the door to people. It's wrong. Dogs are dogs. They're not children. People get that into their heads. They are not children. I've seen this spoiltness. I've seen it. They think they own the house. They think they can do what they want. When that starts, it's only a matter of time. I hope you have your house insured. Legislation-wise, in the country, there's more need to be done? Is it, yeah, is it, it, it too it's, lax? Is it too loose? It's, is it's it too lax and... People that, like, the kennel clubs and things like that, they just register dogs, register dogs, register dogs. Like, in Germany, when you have a litter of pups, when you have a litter of pups, somebody comes out to check your place. They check everything. In some other countries, to do the same. That's what should be done here. And if it's not suitable, take the pups away and, and ban them from having dogs. It's very simple. Too much red tape in this country for anything. It's ridiculous carry on. I've seen puppy farms, and they know who they are. They actually know. The wardens know, but they've no, they've no rights to do that. It's time to get in there, get it sorted, and take the dogs away. Last thing on dogs before we go back to the the, the, the meat of the matter, this big show on Saturday, that's <laughs> a bugbear of mine. Yeah. Fouling on the streets, dog Terrible. fouling. I mean, I just think it's gone out of all proportion. Yeah. What's your view as a man who spends his life working with dogs and walking dogs, the dog fouling on the pavements? I can't, four bins from my house there now about half an hour before I came here on a route is it on a route yeah and they're the wrong routes they're the wrong routes people don't walk that way like with the rat trap there a lot of people walk up this way there's only one over Marley's Lane on the way and people have to cross the road to go over and leave it there so there should be 
at least six the whole way around. Mm. And in along the rat trap, people walk that way too. They should be at least another one there. So you say it's a shortage of bins? Shortage of bins, yeah, definitely. Are enough people, are enough owners responsible enough to bring bags with them to pick up? There are some that I see just let the dogs fall. Yeah, well, basically that's down to the council to do something about that. Like, there's, there's the wardens there, they can take a picture of them. The whole lot, there's plenty of ways of getting around it. But yet there's very few people ever find or no. taken to... No, they don't, they don't. The law is made. And In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Then it's left there. It's as simple as that. It's not implemented. Did, especially in this country. It's not implemented for anything. Frances McDonough is with us here. I want to say hello today. Secretary of Drahada CF. And she was just saying to me, she walks as well. And there's only sort of one bin yeah. on her route. And I'm down mm-hmm. Ballamackenny Roadway. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I think it's one bin at Brookville. I don't think there's another one either. And no. there's loads of dogs out that whole yeah. new town that's been yeah. built out yeah. there. So place. bins are an issue. Enforcement is Enforcement's the other thing. The thing. And you have to say to owners, don't you? Yeah. Please yeah. pick it up. Oh, pick it up. Like, we, Even if you have to bring it home with you, yeah. there's not a bin. Yeah, we have... Um, all the dogs above training there, they have their own bags when they go for a walk. And they go for a good walk. Yes. And they all have their own bags and they, they pick it up and bring it back. And that's the way it should be. Anyone going there should have a bag with them. Because it's not fair. And kids play in the street, they're paying the pats. But at the minute they're starting this new game again, hopscotch, you see that starting up again with the kids. See that? And that'll be on the pats. Yes. So what are they going to do? Kids put their hand into that. You know, and it's very easy to do. I think of children going into school with yeah. it on their on their the feet shoes, into yeah. the classroom. And the smell of it, you know. People using wheelchairs mm. on the footpaths, yeah. buggies, mm. all type of stuff. Like, come on, folks! I, I make that appeal here yeah. again today. Pick it up, yeah. and if there's a bin near, use it, and there's not, just carry it that little bit extra way home, which is as simple as that. Hey, I want to come back to Lee Bagnell, double transplant lung recipient. You were fooled, I believe. I just heard there in the break. You you didn't really you were coming here today, didn't no. you? No. I was convinced I was coming to this dog show earlier on. But um, yeah, so I'm a bit of a shock now. <laughs> Do you like dogs yourself, Lee? Absolutely love dogs. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I kind of revert back to what he said earlier on about having them as kids. 
my dog is my baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know we love them. I know we love them. But you can see the point that Huey is making oh, absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Like, would that have been possible for you, you know, prior to your transplant to have, would a dog have been an issue for you? It probably would, would have been prior. Yeah. So I would have been allergic to dog hair. Yeah. But we have a hyperallergenic Yes. Now, so okay. it's actually fine now. Yes. Yeah. Non jet, thank God. Okay. Is there anything you have to do, you know, even a post transplant and you are on the drugs, etc.? Are you restricted in any way? Are there things you can't do or has I it opened up? I try not to um, restrict myself because at the end of the day, you only live once, have to live my life yeah. to the best until it's full. But um, just have to be careful. Mm. Just really have to be careful and mind myself, to be honest. Mm. But Apart from that, it's Apart from that, all yeah. systems go. Absolutely. Great to hear. I never say no to things to be <laughs> no, honest. No, no, no. Why would you? <laughs> Back to Peter again. Anyway, Peter, very grateful you are again, just to say from the branch to Huey and everything you'll receive from this show. Oh, yeah, yeah. All donations is great. There are the branches. Huey, there. If there's anyone out there who wants to run an event for CF, we're quite welcome to accept the money. And again, I'd like to thank all the people that are out in the surrounding areas and Huey and his committee for all the support they've given us down through the years, financially boys in heaven. And uh, there's, there's a lot of work done, but still there's a lot of sets to be done to find... There's no, there's, there's no cure in sight at the moment, but maybe there is a prevention. Yeah. So once again, I'd like to thank you all very much. And we are always welcoming new members, if many of them wants to come, they can get in contact through any of the members of the Trotter branch. Well said, because that is the work is going on scientifically for prevention, for cure, etc. And that all has to be funded too. So last word to Huey, Saturday it is, what time again? Saturday at half ten. And before we go, Jerry, I'd like to wish you and your team for winning the, the gold thing. It was fantastic. And that lady who done that interview, absolutely super. Thank you, you so know, much for those kind very, words. And you've been very good to us over the years. And so has LMFM. And now what we want to do is just go forward with this on Saturday. As I said, Desi McDonald from the Knicks and Natalie, if anybody wants to give anything, it doesn't matter what it is, a euro, there's $20,000 or something. If they all give a euro now before yeah. Saturday, I'd be very happy. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be very, very happy. You know, it's all about, as this young living proof it works. Yeah, it does. It does indeed. Me. Listen, good wishes with the dog show. Saturday, uh, it's on Marley's Lane. The grounds are there just beyond, uh, if you turn off at Mullen Road, uh, it's on your left-hand side, on the right from Denor Road. The grounds are there. The show is on Saturday. Come and enjoy and see wonderful dogs working and a dog show in practice and supporting uh, people living with cystic fibrosis for today I want to say a big thank you to Huey Rooney to Lee Bagnell to Peter Hughes and to Francis McDonough who's with us here as well today on the show thank you so much who is of course Lee's mammy yes (laughs) yes I know mammy I will give it a share I promise you anyway we're heading towards uh, 2.30 on late lunch with this one yeah it's uh, the Goo Goo Dolls and Iris your home of great music The Goo Goo Dolls and Iris on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. I'm delighted 
Mary Wogan, thank you. My mother won £100 going back on the Golden Goose tickets, Jerry. A lot of money at the time. So there were Golden Goose tickets. I wasn't losing the plot altogether. On the cures, my grandson, age seven at the time, had both hands covered in warts. They were bleeding a lot. Went to the doctor, said uh, he was too young to burn them off. We brought him to see a guy in the Sean Boylan Clinic in Dunboyne. He asked a few questions. Got uh, some, uh, to, got him to some coins to rustle and rub them on his hand all over the warts. He, he told him to stop on the way home, go into a field that was grass only, and to throw the coins. So he gave the little fellow the coins after rubbing them on his hands, throw them into the long grass and forget about the warts. Three weeks later, the warts were gone. We didn't even notice them going. That was two years ago. No warts since. Wouldn't accept any sort of payment charity if we wanted isn't that lovely to hear well done thanks for letting us know there's more on the warts there I'll come back (laughs) on the cures on the cures Uh, and I'll come back to it I promise you a little later on the show but up next on late lunch he was hit by lightning and survived the statistics say that the chances of being struck by lightning are 10 million to one well my next guest is that one in 10 million. I'm delighted to say hello to playwright, producer and performer, uh, David Gilna. Afternoon, David. How are you doing, Jerry? Thanks very much for having us on the show. Oh, not at all. I'm delighted to talk to you. Well, look, at, let's start the conversation by going back to Boston 2004. It'll be 20 years next year, David. Um, I know, yeah. Wow, it's, time flies, doesn't it? Tell, tell my listeners the story. You went to Boston on a J1, was it? Yeah, like J1 visa, like many Irish who have the wild Irish geese, and you know, and hope for the American dream and just to experience life away from the parents. And uh, little did I know that moving from Swords County Dublin to South Boston was like moving from Swords County Dublin to Swords County Dublin. Uh, everybody in Boston was Irish and elated. But um, <laughs> I, I got a job, uh, like most of us, on a building site in Southie, and uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, and I was renovating houses on L Street, and there was a ladder on the balcony. And the ladder just began to move. And I was worried that there was kids playing in the house next door that if the ladder was to fall, it might hurt one of them. Then as I went to grab the ladder, um, that's when my life froze in fear and um, I got struck by lightning. And that's where the phrase comes from, a bolt from the blue, is when actually lightning strikes on a sunny day. Mm. My and it kind of, um, yeah, it kind of sent me back. And then um, 300,000 volts of electricity passed through my body and ripped the soles off my feet. And you... Do you remember anything? You know, from you put your hand on the ladder, you were just knocked out, I, I take, completely until you woke up? Yeah, I, I could say I've never felt pain like it before, but the only way I can describe it is, is like, I was dancing between the realms of the shadows and the afterlife. Because um, one moment I was holding the ladder, and the next moment uh, I woke up in a pool of my own blood and just hearing voices and sounds. And all I could really see was colour because my vision was, was affected. But it was just voices and people and footsteps because I was on a building site. And the rest kind of gets blurry before they got me to the Boston Medical Center. Um, and you kind of realize when you're punching out your last ticket on this place you call life, you have like a tunnel focus vision. And like as an 18-year-old fellow from North County Dublin, I never told anyone I loved him. I didn't know what love was. I was only 18, over having the time of life in Boston. And then my heart flatlined. And uh, yeah, I went to a place where whatever you believe in or what you see is that I left this place we call life and I came back and I woke up in the ICU in Boston. Do you believe you went to the other side? Um, look, I come, my mother's a very religious person. My auntie's a very spiritual healer. So 
I left, I was pronounced dead, technically, and my heart began to beat again. I'll never forget the moment I took my first breath back in this place we call life, but even through my, because I would have been in paediatrics in Boston, like, I was the oldest there, and there was kids in incubators, and kids battling cancer and leukemia, and then you had me, who was struck by lightning, and lacerations throughout my body. But the one thing that got me through, I think, was the power of hope, the power of a higher power, and humour. Like, like, comedy is so important because when you can laugh at yourself, I think you can get through any adversity or traumatic experience. That, and I think we, the Irish, we have a great knack of being able to take the mick out of each other or even like your own show, to listen to people, to talk to people. I think that's what saved me, to be honest with you, Jerry. Mm. And, and, you know, you are only 18 at the time. You are a young fella, as you said, religion, love, that type of stuff is, uh, you know, you're just... Uh, Living life to the full, the world is your oyster, etc. You mentioned your the soles of your feet and laceration. So, w- when you did come to and then you start on the road to recovery, what was the biggest challenge? Was it the physical damage no, or the mental side? Both sides, mentally and physically. I remember doing an interview. Realized I didn't realize traumatic experiences. Sometimes when we are younger, we bury something that's traumatic or a strategy in our life and we bury deep in our subconscious but we lock it in the box but it's always scratching at the surface so physically it took me two and a half years to recover but mentally it took me a lot longer to realize what i went through what i suffered because i pretend that it never happened but a specialist in america uh he uh, he got me to write down everything i experienced but if any of your friends or uh, our listeners listen to right now be careful what you play to somebody in a coma on a playlist because don't get me wrong, Jerry. I love Enya. The last thing you want to hear when you're in a coma is Orinoco flow. I don't want to sail anywhere, Enya. I'm happy to be alive right now. <laughs> I love it. And you know, you talk about humour. By God, you have the, the humour gene for sure. One thing I wanted to mention on, on the physical side did you actually smell, and it's an awful smell, I've never experienced it, but burning flesh? Did you smell that? Yeah. The smell of your own burning flesh is a visceral memory that I can never shake from my subconscious. It's something that has stayed with me. And the second thing that, that, that stayed with me is at night time in the hospital, um, I used to think I used to hear banshees screaming, but it wasn't banshees screaming. It was a parent or a guardian saying goodbye to a child who was only so young but so full of life. And I could only describe all the children in the ICU to have this beautiful, bright energy because they were all warriors fighting the battle that I wasn't even on, on their scale. And I think those parents and those children gave me gave me a belief in my own self. But it was the shriek of a parent saying goodbye to a child. It's something that's kind of scarred on me for life because I can't even begin to describe what a parent would go through losing a child so young. Mm. Um time and a long time as you say uh, to deal with this in, in your own head in your mind but by god have you dealt with it since because you now are starring in your own play called a bolt from the blue which is about this yeah well look funny funny enough story i was supposed to move to america in march 2020 and tour america for the first time and then the pandemic hit so uh, i built up a relationship with a great uh, writer and actor in new york called maliki mccourt his brother Frank wrote Angel's Ashes. Yes. Maliki has an amazing career. And Maliki used to have me on his radio show most weeks. And he said, David, either you're the luckiest man from North County Dublin or the unluckiest man. So in January 2022, the play finally got to go to New York and have its premiere. And I've been on tour for the last two years, two incredible years, because I love to meet people. Like Brendan Bean is one of my heroes in life and Oscar Wilde. 
and I love to chat to every single person that comes to see me play after because I love a pint and a whiskey. But more importantly, I'm finishing the last two years at the Tommy Letty Theatre in the prop room on the 17th of November. And that's where my journey ends over the last two years. And I'm buzzing to get back to the town and have a bit of crack of this girl. And you're in Liverpool, is it tonight or tomorrow night? Tomorrow, yeah, the UK Premier in Liverpool Irish Festival, yeah, um, which I'm really excited about. So that's going to be, uh, you know, a great story because Brendan, we talked about Brendan being in the play and obviously during the fourth of Brendan went to Liverpool and spoke very highly of his time and the people of Liverpool. So that's tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow night in Liverpool at 7pm uh, at the Leaf in Liverpool. Fantastic. The first time you stepped on stage after working on this for a time and you go out in front of a live audience, is your heart in your mouth, never mind getting those thousands of volts through your body? Well, I tell you, the fun thing is, right, because the world was closed down, uh, a friend of mine, Frank Allen, the great playwright, um, I was rehearsing in his kitchen in Drimna because I wasn't allowed to perform to people to, for a live audience. Yeah. So the only person who got to see the show was Frank in his kitchen in Drimna. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. And then... We got out to New York and I got to deliver for a live audience. Yeah. And that was an incredible experience because other than that, I was just rehearsing in the kitchen in Drimna and then running lines down the Jacko in Swords County, Dublin. So, yeah, it, was a, it made a difference. <laughs> oh, to go out on that stage. And you knew when you got the first cheer and laugh, you're on your way then and the rest is, is history from there. You're also, um, I want to mention another one that's special to you, the Unsung Hero, which oh, yeah, is, no, this is terrific. Oh, to me. Yeah, so basically, um, my godmother was the granddaughter of the great Dio Rally, the co-founder of the Irish Volunteers, and Nancy O'Reilly, the vice president of the Come on the Mon. And when I was a kid, Aegon used to sit me on his lap and tell me stories about how he said goodbye to his dad when he was 10, and O'Reilly left his house in Herbert Park to go to Liberty Hall and then to fight in the Rising. And he was the only leader to die in battle, and the family installed in me every letter they ever wrote to each other. And I really wanted to celebrate the, the vision that he had for United Ireland. He died uh, on the streets of Dublin while his wife was six months pregnant. And uh, that play is something special to me. And I've got a new version of the play called Nancy and Michael, which will be having its premiere off-Broadway next April. And then I'm going to be bringing it around the country because it's a story. 1916, the Easter Rising, is something very close to my heart. I'm involved in the Hands Around Morsey campaign because I think we as a society are knocking down buildings that have such a great history that we should maintain mm. what these men, women and children died fighting for a united Ireland. And to me, as the next generation of Irish playwrights, I have to continue that story and to tell the worry about this couple who sacrificed everything for a vision of an Ireland that was free. It's a very close subject to my heart and yeah. I'm proud that I get to tell that story. Well said, and, and it's so true what people sacrificed in the past. Unbelievable. Um, you dedicate back to uh, the show in Liverpool and coming to the TLT in November uh, about your lightning strike. You dedicate it to your brother-in-law. What's the story behind that? Yeah, I'll tell you, he was a huge campaigner of my life and he was the guy to get me back to America. And when times were down, he picked me up. And when the funding came through for me to tour America, he was there with me every step of the way. But... Um, a couple of months before I was moving to America, he got the sad news that most people can relate to in this country. He was diagnosed and he had three months to live because he had cancer. And um, I made a promise to Dermot while he was alive that I was going to take this show to America and it was going to be a success. So every night on stage, I drink a glass of whiskey and I dedicate it to anyone who's lost through cancer and to the people who helped us get through the dark times. And my brother-in-law, Dermot Clark, did that for me. And I'll be forever grateful for the man that he was.
incredible father to his two amazing sons, Nate and Max, and my beautiful sister, his adoring wife. And it's to me, the play was a promise I made to him while he's alive. So every time I do the show, it's dedicated to his memory or anyone we've lost to cancer. Oh, well said. Well said. That's a lovely touch, I have to say. It really, really is. Is it true, before we finish up, I have to ask you this, where you were struck by that lightning in Boston, you, you went back to have a look at it. Is it true that the, the place is now coloured yeah, blue? If you, go, if you go on Google Maps and type in 609 on L Street in South Boston, the door is actually painted blue. You couldn't make it up. I went back there. I went back to do the play uh, last summer. And we went to back to Southie and the door was painted blue. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing with the name of the show. The coincidence. You know, it's just, uh, it's not lost in me when I saw that for sure. There's something, you wear that other side. There's something over there guiding you. Do you know that? Ah, uh, Jerry. look, I, look, all I can say is that for me, for the next generation of playwrights and performers, to have me on the show, give me a platform. And for anyone to come see the show, have any questions they have about writing or acting, I'll have a chat with anyone and drink at the bar throughout the rest of my career because without people I haven't got a career without people like you I haven't got a platform so it means a lot to me Thank you so much for those lovely words and just reminding listeners again it's the TLT Theatre in Drogheda what's the date again? Friday the 17th of November we finished off the tour and no better place to finish it off you got to make a date of that, folks. A terrific show. Going down a bomb on Broadway, off Broadway, all over the world in the future. David Gilner, the man behind it, a bolt from the blue. He survived thousands upon thousands of volts through his body to tell the tale. Good luck in Liverpool tomorrow night. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks, Kerry. Take it easy, buddy. Pull it. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's David Gilner there. Top man. He really, really is. What a story. Survived something he probably shouldn't. There you are. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Late lunch, LMFM radio short break. Back in a moment. We had Cecily Gilligan with us top of the show talking about cures and said, I think that Peggy Moore's pub had a Cecily owner. It's a lovely name. There was a Cecily there because I was down with them and they mentioned that for sure. Pat in Belbriggan has a wart story, Louise. Good on you, Pat. Somebody else says a white snail is supposed to cure warts. Uh, Brendan was on to say you're right about the golden goose. It was a lottery in the 80s in Ireland. It was headquartered in the main in Dundalk and Tyrone in Northern Ireland. Somebody on about the flooding out in Terman Feck and wasn't it desperate the weekend? It really was. And in County Mead too where those houses were hit again. Louise, the cure is there. Somebody wants no, my mum wants to know, is there a cure for itchy legs? I have a cure. Scratch them. Uh, a quinine. good old scratch. Quinine is meant to be good. Is it? Yeah. There you are. Louise has suggested ton- quinine. Is it tonic water uh, uh, or something? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's what Someone, it is. Yeah. I like an old scratch. That'll sort them out for a while, for sure. Oh, no, itchy legs is nothing worse. Drives no, you mad. It's a devil. It really is a devil. Um, the warts... Your fella was it? Yeah. You you can testify that that yeah. wart story that does work. Yeah, I went to a different man and um, with my son. Um, my son was had a lot of warts and literally, yeah, he just gave him. He had the cure passed down from his father, I think, mm. and gave him. I don't know what was five cent or something like that, and said on the way home, just um, turn your back to the road and fire it over your shoulder, and make sign of the cross and carry on home and just don't think about them again. And literally, like that man, within a month they were gone. Gone. All amazing. of them. Isn't it amazing? I never came back and that's mm, six years now. There you go. Things like that do work. I, I saw a headline in yesterday Sunday Independent. Nearly 100 drivers crashed cars while taking the driving test. Now, if I was writing that headline, I wouldn't have written it like that. I would have just written crash test dummies. <laughs> 
That would be my headline. Crash test so dummies. Say that again. They, they Nearly cra- 100 drivers crashed their cars while in the middle of taking their driving test. Oh, okay. Yes, 100 candidates over the last three years. And this year already, 32 crashes this year while taking the test. I think that's a good headline. I can, you be- take the, can, you do, can you take a test in a dual um Car, do you know what I mean? No. Dual control car. No. You're not allowed to. No, no, you're not allowed. That'd oh. be cheating. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it That'd be yeah. cheating. Uh, crash test dummies. What do you think? Nearly 100 drivers crash cars while taking... No, crash test dummies. That should be. <laughs> do you agree with me? Come on. That's the headline, isn't it, Louise? Come God, on. Love say them. yes. It'd probably be so nice. Go on, say yes. Say okay, yes. yes, it's good line headline. <laughs> God almighty, we're driving people mad now this afternoon with that. I understand this pressure when you're seriously taking the test. I do understand that. But it's like when I was taking my test many moons ago under the guidance and tutelage of the wonderful late, great Mary McCormick. People would know from John. What a character. We went to Dundalk, pulled up outside and we saw the first car coming out of a car coming out to take the driving test. There was a, an elderly lady in it and she banged the car off the curb on oh, the way out of the and test centre. And Mary said, Gone. Back home, you're gone already. Mm. Yes, shocking. I know, I know, I know, I know. What's the name of the book of cures? It's called Cures of Ireland by Cecily Gilligan. Some people looking for their cures of Ireland. I remember jumping through a hula hoop years ago for the cure of whooping cough when I was a kid. Someplace down in Kingscourt. What? Yeah, it was skipping rope or hula? No, skipping rope. You had to jump over the skipping rope three times or something like that. And it was the cure. I was only about five or six. I'm whooping cough. You got the cure. Somewhere down in Kingsport. I think it's a little confused there. Like, it's no, a hula... definitely. It was, no, no, no. It wasn't a hula hoop. It was, it was a skipping rope. All right, that's okay. Yeah, I thought you were associating the hoop with the hooping. No, no. I, it must have been in my head. No, it was definitely right. a skipping okay, rope. Okay, skipping rope. Going back many years there. Anyway, coming up after mm. three on late lunch, the lottery cock up on Saturday night. What happened with the draw? It was cancelled in full flight on the TV. Fran Wirty from the National Lottery is with us. New top five countdown. Ah, now you're talking, Louise. This is one great song, isn't it? This is one of the great classic songs of all time. If the rain stayed over lunch. there. Ah, please. They could do with it, to be honest with you. Anyway, we're taking you <laughs> back on late lunch this afternoon. It's Toto, a blast from the past, and Africa. Stay with us in your late lunch. News, weather and sport on the way after Toto. Hear the drums that go in tonight. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... Yes, the number five from this week in 1991. And an unusual one, I have to say, but something that's become a phenomenon ever since. It was written by Mr. Eric Idle of Monty Pike Mead. It rose to number three in the charts round about this uh, week and a little bit later in 1991. And as I said, its popularity just grew and grew subsequently. In football grounds, you'd hear it chanted. At funerals, it's played as well. Anyway, it's our number five this week, 1991, from Monty Python. Always look on the bright side of life. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle That grumble Give a whistle And this'll help things turn out For the best And Always look on The bright side of life 
this record's available in the foyer. Monty Python, our number five from this week in 1991. Always look on the bright side of life. Be difficult in the Keenan household today. Remember the boys on Friday, Evan and Adam playing in the loud minor final. One playing for St Mary's RD, the other for the combination sides to Bannon St Michael's. Well, the smiles are on Evan's face today. The Marys won the minor and the senior too. But Adam, don't despair. Your day will come. It's a game of football. I know it's hard to think like that today. But anyway, we think of the Keenans today. There's joy and despair in equal measure in the house. And that is understandable for sure. But well done to St Mary's RD. Minor champions and senior champions. What a game uh, with Monaster Boys, the jocks. It was anybody's game. Just a point in the end. And a point that so many finals have been decided this year by just a solitary point. But congratulations to the Marys on two in a row. I don't think we'll talk about the referee at the Tullamore Summerhill game, will we? Oh my God. When will it ever end? You can bet your life in it. Each year it happens. It happens and it happens, you know, all too regularly. Referee assaulted after the game because of that decision in the final moments, which uh, observers and everybody believes was the right decision not to allow the penalty. But there you are, rush of blood to the head and somebody loses it. Can't be condoned. And I'm sure that person is in hot water with the GAA for that one. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Lots of people do the National Lottery, don't they? Some people have the automatic subscription on the phones. I do it. I'm not a, I don't do it all the time, but I'm a fair regular doer of the lottery. When I'm in the shop, I think of it. I play the game for sure. On Saturday night, the live draw RTE began and stopped all of a sudden. What happened? Fran Werty from the lottery talks to me next Saturday night. 5 to 8. Kamal Ibrahim is on TV with the National Lottery as usual. The draw is about to start. And then there's no draw. What happened? Fran Werty from the National Lottery is with us to explain. Afternoon, Fran. Hey, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. What's the story? Oh, look, an eventful Saturday night anyway, that's for sure. We were we were actually all in uh, the Kilishi House Hotel on Saturday night for our Good Causes Award. So I want to call out the Mead Women's Refuge and Support Services. They were up there with us on the night. They're actually the overall winners of the Good Causes Award. Mm. So congratulations to them. Yeah, fantastic achievement for them to be selected as uh, the winners nationally and congratulations to them. They do wonderful work. Uh, was there panic stations for a few minutes when uh, the glitch happened on television? Well, we were just about to eat our dinner and uh, we got a few texts coming through to say that the draw didn't go ahead. So we had to we had to run into a room and, and see what had happened. So I suppose, look, for anybody who saw it or maybe didn't see it, just to let you know, exactly what happened. So as you say, Kamal was basically there introducing the draw and an unknown behind them, our lot of plus one draw drum set basically began selecting numbers earlier than it should have done. So normally we start with lot of plus two, lot of plus one, and then the main lot of draw. But because that lot of plus two, plus one drum set automatically started on its own and it picked the numbers uh, basically to protect the integrity of the draw, we took it off air. And then we finalised the, the actual draws afterwards. So the, the original numbers that were drawn out of that lot of plus one drum set, they, they are the numbers drawn. We didn't redo the draw or anything like that. We didn't cancel the draw. So basically, there was no issues with the, with the, with the draw results themselves. OK, so you allowed those stand, but uh, you did off-camera the lotto and the lotto, the uh, third draw as well. 
Yeah, exactly. So it may not have been on TV, but we had it obviously recorded ourselves that the cameras kept rolling. So there was no issues with the draw themselves. It was just the fact that it was a technical issue. Mm. We Look, we have, uh, as you can imagine, we obviously have KPMG there as our independent observers, and we have such strict procedures. As soon as there's any minor technical issue at all, it's automatically taken off air just to protect that integrity of the draw. And there was no winner of the 2.7 million lotto jackpot, so that rolls over to this Wednesday. I, I, I was thinking about it, and you know what, it's only a, a, a wild theory of mine. Has AI infiltrated? God, absolutely not. <laughs> I, you know something, For I, I work the draws myself, and we were there hours and hours before the draws, weighing balls, we're measuring and making sure they're the same size. And it's funny, we do so many rehearsals. Mm. And if a ball comes out more often than it should, the whole ball set is scrapped and we start again from the very beginning. Right. So there's absolutely no chance of any AI interfering with that, I can tell you. Good, 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 good. Now, I know you're meticulous and the uh, observer is there all the time and there's nothing left to chance. Well, anyway, the draw went out and will be back on TV this week and hopefully everything will work uh, superbly. Again, we want to mention me, the Women's Refuge and Support Services, who picked that up, that Good Causes Award. Brilliant, wonderful achievement for them in uh, County Mead and would delight for them. What's this about this new game called Euro Dreams, please? Do you know something? Euro Dreams, we're, we've been working on it for a couple of years with our uh, partners in the Euro Millions. It's Euro Millions partners minus the UK. So we're delighted to launch this game. It's essentially the top prize is €20,000 every month for 30 years. That's it's it's unlike anything we've seen in Ireland. Usually we have winners of the Euro Minutes jackpot or the Lotto jackpot where they're getting a big chunk of money straight up. This is over a 30-year period, and I think it'll it'll appeal to a lot of people who maybe don't play Lotto and Euro Millions. So it's going on sale next week this, uh, on the 30th, and our first draw is the 6th of November. So really excited about it. It's our first new game in well over 10 years, so no, it should be something really to look forward to for players. Uh, and if I win it, just a question, does it pass on to someone else after my time? Am I guaranteed, or is it just for my lifetime? You are so pessimistic, Jerry. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> no, no, I'm being careful like you with the machines. Yeah, it's it's a great question. It, it basically, it's, it can only be won by a single player, so it's not suitable for syndicates, okay? Okay. So as, as you say, if something does happen to you in 30 years, God forbid, uh, basically it's paid as one, the remaining sum is paid as one big lump sum to your estate. Right. So there'll be plenty of arguments in your house to say if that does happen. <laughs> <laughs> Won't worry me if I'm not around. Let them at it. Let them at it is what I say, Fran. Anyway, it's good to hear that. Listen, thank you for joining us. You're always good to us to clarify today. Good luck with all. Amazing. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's uh, Fran Wirty there from the National Lottery. All's well that ends well. And that's it on Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow at half one with a brand new show. But today we leave you in the company of Keen Ducrot. I absolutely love this song. It's heaven. And we'll see you for more heaven on late lunch Tuesday lunchtime don't forget to join us Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM radio stay with us through the evening we'll see you tomorrow 1.30